Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Joshua Scotto Podcast. I am your host, obviously, Joshua Scotto. <laughs> um, today, uh, this episode is with um, a buddy of mine that I went to high school with, played football with, um, Ryan Gerber. He um, is in the U.S. Army. He's been in the Army for 14 years, he told me. Uh, he is a sergeant first class. In the army, um, you know, he commands troops, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he has a platoon, he told me. Um, he is currently living in Italy now. Uh, he's been there for three years, I think he said. Something like that. Um, and so, yeah, he's been over there. Um, I've been wanting to talk to him for a bit. Um, but, you know, I've just, you know, life's been busy. So um, I hit him up. Um, a couple of weeks back, saying, hey, you want to join me on a podcast? He was like, yeah, sure. And uh, we just, you know, I just got his perspective on um, what's been happening past, you know, four years, past a week or two, you know. And um, just like, uh, I was just very interested in how he got into the Army because um, knowing him in high school, I didn't think of him joining at all and stuff. So he gets into that, uh, gets into um, his time in over in Iraq and Afghanistan and, you know, just, you know, all that stuff that, he, um, that's, that he's been through. And, uh, you, know, you know, it was a very, very, um, very interesting story. It was great to see him, great to catch up with him. Um, I enjoyed our conversation, actually, more than I, more and more uh, we talked because it was just, fascinating to hear you know his perspective on stuff and what he goes through uh you know each day and what it was like over there in iraq and afghanistan and you know and he's actually a really cool guy and um you know um and so yeah um it's pretty it's pretty long uh conversation so i would say you know take a break in between each one because pretty long it's probably the longest one i've done so far but anyways um thank you all for um sticking around it's been a while happy new year if i haven't told you yet um hope you're all doing well and thank you again for all supporting whoever listens to this i know i have some friends that listen to this so thank you all for listening and let's get into it Thanks for coming on, Ryan. I really do appreciate it, man. Like, you don't like I I, I asked uh, uh, John Christensen like a month ago, and he was like quick to respond. And I was like, dude, you don't have to come on if you don't want to. He's like, oh no, I really want to come on. So, and I just talk. No, it's cool. I mean, it's you know, it's uh, it's cool for me too. You know, I mean, I I don't know. I don't. I was. I haven't been in California since. Uh, very, 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 I mean, over like five, six years, seven years, wow, maybe. Really? Probably, probably, probably longer than that, actually. Like if I'm really like thinking about it right now. Uh, 
Yeah, I think the last time I was in California was when my grandma passed away. So I mean, yeah. that was that was definitely like six, like seven, eight years ago. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't know. I was like, okay, I have nothing. I have nothing better to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the reason I want to ask you on is because you know uh, I've known you for a while. Uh, we went to high school, played football, but you also you're in the army, right? Yep. And um, you, how long have you been in the army for? I've been in. I've been in the uh in the army for 14 years uh i joined as i joined as an infantryman airborne infantryman and uh i've lived i've I've lived in colorado alaska uh georgia and then now i live in uh in italy yeah what part of italy do you live in the northern part i live in vincenza there's uh there's an there's an airborne brigade here there's actually shockingly there's like four or five uh, little small bases, American military bases, um, and air and air force and army, and mm-hmm. there's probably some navy stuff. But America has a pretty large, uh, surprisingly large presence inside of the country of Italy. Wow. Okay. Um. So, and also the other reason I'm bringing you on is just, like watching you uh, through your Instagram is like I was like that's very inspiring. Like I I like to bring on people. Like I want to interview more people that are inspiring and just. To me, like what you're doing is inspiring, and like, you know, what you do for our country is a great, great, great deed, and like, always thankful for what you do. And so, I just, I just want to like enlighten people more, and um, you know, share your story. I mean, you don't, you coming on is a big thanks for me for you know doing this. I mean, you don't have to come on at all, but I do thank you for that, and I do thank you for your service. So. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on too. Um, what I wanted to ask you is like, what, uh, in spite of, I don't want to get like too like what's happened in the past, like few, few weeks, (laughs) five minutes. Yeah. Past five (laughs) minutes really. But I, I wanted to ask you like, since you've been, you've been in Italy this whole time, what, what is like this perspective from where you are to what you're seeing happening here yeah no it's been um i mean one i've definitely felt uh pretty fortunate uh in hindsight not not in the beginning yeah so in in january of 2020 i was actually in america i was in georgia Mm -hmm. uh doing some stuff um and uh and my wife, I have a wife and two two school age children. Uh, my wife had called me and said that you know, like the country's going into lockdown and this yeah. coronavirus thing is getting bigger, and and it was kind of it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, so I kind of had to hurry home and and uh, and get to Italy, which was crazy because Italy was already in a, a state of a lockdown. Yeah. And so I was kind of behind the power curve and trying to fly home, and um, that's that's actually a pretty. <laughs> I mean, it's not cool. Uh, in the sense that like of what's going on yeah but i mean trying to fly to italy at the height of the covid epidemic inside of the country of italy and america was starting to take off and and become way more aware and self-conscious about it i mean being in the airport alone on that day trying to fly to italy the clerk just looked at me like like what <laughs> like are you sure you know like are you sure you want to go to italy and i was yeah, like no, you sure man, you want to like, leave I, I li- yeah, and it's it's not like I ha- I don't look Italian. I don't have an Italian accent. But I was like, yeah. no, man, I live in Italy. I need to go home. That's where my family is. Um, 
and then just watching you know i don't i don't pay attention i have facebook for the simple fact that like facebook messenger is a great way to get a hold of people sure. um i've stopped i've actually do, i don't have the app on my phone i have i have to go through like my web browser to get to yeah. my facebook if i really want to check it yeah um but watching facebook and watching people react to the coronavirus and in, in the early uh in early of 2020 while living in Italy, when I couldn't leave past my house for 250 meters, you had like a 250 meter radius. You weren't allowed to, to leave your house. And I was actually pretty lucky given my job. You know, our job over here is very important. And so we, we were like the American military, the Italian military. We were authorized to do certain things that like the civilians couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had to carry around some paper. You had to carry around like seven pieces of paper and you know, if, if the Carbonari, Carbonari is the military police that, yeah. that, contr- that run around Italy, if they stopped you, you know, you had to show them all your paperwork. Okay. Um, but it's, it's watching America go through it while Italy had already gone through it was kind of disheartening because you just kind of watched the, some misinformation. Yeah. You know, people just not – and it's, it's easy for me to say because I literally had – you know, hindsight. I mean, I, yeah. I, this, this thing happens as a wave. So, you know, some countries have already gone through the worst parts and then you see another country, it's starting to get it. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was pretty crazy. And, and honestly, overall, it's just been, it's been nice because I don't, I don't have American cable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I can, I can pay attention to however much American media I want to. Yeah. Uh, and I can kind of turn it off uh, like Tuesday. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday when the, when the Capitol building got overran? Uh, you know, my wife. Yeah. That was like two days ago here. So yeah, my wife, I was, I go to bed with, with my kids. So like my kids, I'm old. So like my kids go to bed <laughs> at eight and, and I go to bed at eight. I go to bed. I would go to bed at eight too, man. But like my, like, I get judged by my wife really quickly. Like, You're going to bed. Oh no. I get, <laughs> yeah. I, I get judged by my wife. There's no, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. But uh, but I wake I wake up I wake up pretty early and I just I don't know man like I like my eight hours I like my beauty yeah, sleep for sure. But my wife like was like waking me up and turned you know turned on the TV and was like showing me some live feeds that were on YouTube. And I was just I just I mean I, part of me is kind of it's kind of dead you're kind of dead inside about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I just kind of knew that like okay well I've got the next twenty four hour news cycle to to watch this happen yeah. so I'll, i'm going back to bed um no nah, it's it's horrible i mean uh the coronavirus the you know america's identity crisis if you mm-hmm. will it's it's uh it's been really it's disheartening for sure um yeah yeah totally i mean as, i mean as a person that's serving for your country it it seems like like you don't it's like what is happening like what just happened like like how 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 has it come to this how is it how are we functioning right now so like i I just wanted to get your perspective on some stuff because being in the service i mean you guys you guys hold up you guys hold up almost everything for us over here so yeah i mean i think uh like one you know if if you would have if we would have done this had this conversation 12, 13 years ago when I was a brand new uh, private in the military, uh, you would have had a completely different perspective where I would have stood on top of the American flag with the bald eagle and a Bible in my hand and said, you know, you're welcome for my service. (laughs) 
but you know, I've I've seen a lot. Uh, I've experienced a lot, and um, it, I don't know. I mean, I just I, America is resilient. You know, we're inherently resilient. There's always going to be, you know, no matter what time this country's existed, there's always been haves and have-nots. There's always been smart and dumb people. Um, I think the the technology and the information and the way people get their information, I think, I think our lack of knowledge and understanding on like how we get and receive our information has been pretty ignorant and careless for the last 20 years as, as we invented these things and these things got brought into our life and you immediately say, yes, this is good. You know, I want more of this. I think we're becoming way more self-aware, but it's a slow burn. You know, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, I know I've become way more self-aware and self-conscious about it. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I kind of, Facebook has just kind of turned into toxicity in my opinion. Uh, I'm just a bunch of people validating their own, their own opinions. Um, and sometimes, you know, even though that does feel good, you know, I think, I don't know, I almost feel like people are starting to, Facebook is just turning into like a cesspool of, of, of people just agreeing with themselves or finding people to agree with. Yeah. And then there's like a, there's like a very small token few of us that are like still posting family pictures and like, <laughs> Hey, like, here's hey, my kid. Here's my kid. You know? Yeah. Which is awesome. Like, you know, I don't know. I have kids, you know, I had a dog first and my Facebook was like all about my dog and then oh, I had yeah. children. Now my Facebook's all, it's kids. the, it's the 21st century wallet. You know, yeah. dad used to go to work in the, in the nineties with the wall full of pictures of his kids. That's, that's what Facebook was. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, I wish that's what it was, what it was more about, but it's not. Um, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the president and when it comes to Trump and, and all, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's been complicated. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what, uh, you know, he's my commander in chief mm -hmm. for the next 11 days. 11 days. Uh, and then it's president Biden. Um, I've been a, I've been a soldier for three presidents. Uh, I've, I haven't necessarily agreed with, with, with all of them. Uh, Trump is something that I, you know, to keep this, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get myself in any trouble to be honest no, with you, but, sure. um, Something I've, I've said, which I think I can say, is Trump is the only president, the only politician that ever made me self-conscious about being an American. Mm. Um, I don't that, – that's also multiplied because I'm in Italy, and they, yeah. we stick out like a sore thumb over here. But it's, you know, it's, been, it's been rough. And you know, when, the, when the Black Lives Matter movement was happening, you know, we, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for a company of, of infantrymen. So it's about 130 people. Wow. Um, and and the what I love about the army, what I love about the military is it's a melting pot. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's every bit of the uh, intro to Forrest Gump's Vietnam Squad. You think it is? It's Texas. Yeah. It's Bubba. It's 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 just you know I have so we had to do a stand down uh, where essentially you just everybody has to stop and they have to go they have to go talk about what's currently going on because it was kind of just unavoidable at that point. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because what, what you get, because everybody comes from different places is, is it was actually a pretty decent conversation. And, you know, it's hard to get 18 to 25 year olds to talk about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, everybody just kind of wants to sit in a room and stare at themselves uh, and let somebody else talk. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, 
there was a lot of really good conversation on both ends. So the majority of my paratroopers have family members who are LEPs, who are law enforcement professionals. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of them on, on their side, they were like, well, we, 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 we disagree with the protesters, the violent ones, right? Mm-hmm. That was like what they said. We agree with the protesters. We disagree with the violent protesters. And, you know, I'm older. I'm from California. I'm from a more democratic, more liberal part of the country. I'm, I'm incredibly, I always make the joke of like, I'm probably, I probably seem incredibly right wing compared to the people that I grew up with, but I might as well be a pot smoking hippie to the people that I work with. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and we kind of, I kind of walked the dog for him on yeah. like the whole Colin Kaepernick situation. I was like, well, did, did anybody ever try to peacefully protest before it came to this? And they, you know, people said, yes. I was like, okay, well, what happened? And we talked about that. We talked about, uh, you know, one of the things that I talked to them about was, you know, I asked them, I say, we all joke about how stupid you have to be, what the standard, how low the standard is to be an infantryman mm-hmm. in the United States Army, right? Like, you don't have to be smart. But, I mean, it's all fallacies, but and it's all stereotypes. But, I, you know, I'm kind of feeding into it. And then I was like, do you think it is, it is a higher standard or lower standard to be a police officer in New York City or Philadelphia or Atlanta or a major metropolitan area? Do you think it's a higher standard there or do you think it's a higher standard doing the infantry? And they all said, no, it's a higher standard to be a cop. And I was like, no, man, you're wrong. Like, mm-hmm. you're completely wrong. You, you know, those, it's, a, it's a higher standard to become an infantryman. But if you're in a giant metropolitan city, you, have a, you need a lot of cops inherently. Yeah. There's a lot of people. Um, and when the supply is less than the demand, then you got to lower the standard a little bit and you got you to get those numbers. You need cops at the end of the day. And then, and then I was like, and then you talk about training. You know, I was like, <clears throat> if you have, you know, I was like, if you look at most of these cops that, not all of them, but you look at some of the cops that were interacting with the protesters, um, you know, a lot of them are fat and out of shape. They probably don't have a lot of training on how to um, – talk people down how to de-escalate things and when you are out of shape when you are surrounded by people who are just screaming in your face what's the number one neutralizer that you have to rely on and it's a weapon right you don't have, it doesn't matter how fast your two mile time is when you when you pull a gun out um and and i was like and so you have you have on one side you have the protesters who aren't being heard right who've tried to peacefully protest and it gets weaponized against them. And, you know, the whole part of Colin Kaepernick and the, the troops, everybody wants to throw my occupation at it. You know, don't, how dare you disrespect the troops? And, you know, the story of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee is he asked a Green Beret. Yeah, he. What, you know, but nobody takes the time to peel the no, onion. No one, like, on, even in on that, that story, like, um, when that happened, I was very offended by it because I thought he was just, you know, shitting on you guys and, and stuff like that and then i did more research on it and then like oh he asked a green beret is this can i do this and like the green beret yes this is a sign of honor like for us and it's not you're not shitting you're just protesting it and i that that alone just blew up and made it seem like he was you know disrespecting the flag which he's not at all so it just it 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 blew my mind that how how much that blew up and how much he got shitted on and stuff like that and like what you're saying is too is very true like there 
there's a lot of people that just don't want to do the research and um like with the cops they're just like it's not hard for them to just put reach down and pull out the gun and just be done with it they don't want to take the time and do it so i totally well i mean it's it's you know on that note it's 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 two sides right so it's yeah. it's the protester who's entitled who thinks they can just scream in another human's face like that yeah and then and then on the other side you have the cop who you know he wants to be a police officer he wants to serve his community uh he wants to serve and protect but maybe he doesn't have the best training Sure. And so because he doesn't have the best training, he becomes overwhelmed by the mm -hmm. escalating situation and he freaks out and you get into fight or flight mode. Yeah. And, sure. and you know, when that, when stuff like that happens, you, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to rely on whatever you got, whether it's, whether it's a, a weapon or, or something like that, you're going to, you're going to protect yourself. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's never at the end of the day, if, you know, if there's one thing I think, we as a culture should are learning and at least the, the for those of us that that care to be well informed you know it's it's never that simple there is nothing you know that that simple um and uh but the you know and then the colin kaepernick thing is just that was very cliche like weaponization yeah you know people it's, it kind of goes hand in hand with um uh you know police officers you can never screw as a police officer to to not be able to defend himself um but i mean i've deployed to afghanistan i've deployed to iraq um and the uh if the if if a soldier would have done to an afghani who is not doing anything wrong or you're detaining him and you put his knee on his throat and he dies mm -hmm. uh, that soldier's something's going to happen to him yeah like, it's sure. not you know, why, why would we, you know, internationally, why would we ex have that standard? But then in, inside the country, you know, police aren't, aren't held to the same standard. And any, any police officer, I'm sure, Josh, you know, police officers, um, there's like, five, I don't know, five of them from our high, like my, my graduating yeah. class, I think. Um, yeah, the good ones don't, yeah. <laughs> the good ones look at that and say, yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, like, that's no, I, up. I totally, like, I have, I have friends that are cops and like, I've asked them, like, what do you think about like that's completely wrong and no one i'm not even no one is trained like that like no one no one would should ever put a knee on a guy's back that is detained or anything like that like that's just completely wrong like there's there's other ways to handle that situation 100 percent. so yeah anyways but the, the other part of it, and on like a positive note like the, the stuff that i i like about the army is you know, my, my battalion commander, so he's, he's responsible – a battalion commander is responsible for five companies. Yeah. So that's about, like, 600 people. Um, he was born in Kenya. Uh, okay. and And so to get his perspective on it, you know, he's a very close-knit guy. Uh, mm -hmm. He kind of keeps things close to the chest. Um, I have a, another soldier who uh, is from Uganda who was adopted when he was, like, 12 years old who came over – to America. My supply sergeant uh, was bo was uh, born in Haiti. He's Haitian. Mm. He uh, he was like a part of the the tsunami and and all the stuff that happened over there. And and what I love about the army is that you can raise your right hand to to serve the country, and you can instantly break whatever poverty cycle you came from. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can you can be you can be your own person and. You see it even within the army where a guy at one duty station for three years, maybe had a hard time 
he wasn't doing very good, but he moves, you know, every three to four years we move. Mm -hmm. uh, he moves to another duty station, to another unit, kind of reinvents himself, kind of figures it out. Um, and th that, that's, those are the, the parts of, of, of the army that I think I like the most. That's good. That's uh, great, man. Um, I had a, a question. Like, when you joined, when, how old were you when you joined? Did you come right out of high school uh, or was it? No, I graduated high school. I have a great, I mean, I have a good story about uh, a friend, a, a classmate of ours, Kyle Jordan. Kyle Jordan oh, really? and I was, was, was on our high school football team. Yeah. He is uh, the reason why I'm in the Army. Okay. So, so I joined, I, jo I got out of high school. My mom uh, left my stepdad uh, and moved to Clear Lake, uh, which is like an hour east of, of Runner Park. Um, and like left me, right. Kind of didn't leave me completely, but she was like, I'm out. Like you're, I did my job. You got a diploma. I'm out. You're, you're on your own. Uh, yeah, no, really fucking hurt my feelings. No, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I get that feeling. I yeah. was, I was not prepared uh, to make my own decisions <laughs> for sure. Um, and so, and I, I was, I tried to wrestle at the junior college, but with, uh, with work, with trying to work and go to the junior college, I just, I just kind of quit, man. I, like, remember, I just kind of, yeah, I, like, I remember seeing you at the JC and I was like, Hey, Ryan, how you doing, buddy? And I, yeah, I, knew, yeah, I, was like, I knew, I knew you're a big wrestler because in high school you were like, you tried to get me to wrestle one time. Yeah. You, you, you're like one of three people that ever saw me at that junior college. I think yeah. I was there for a month and a half. And then I've, I don't know that I've ever set foot on it again. Um, <laughs> and so I, I got a job, I got a job for uh, another wrestling coach who owned a, a, a construction company and I did construction for a year. Um, I worked on, I worked in some pretty cool places. I worked on the Google buildings, okay. I helped build the new, the, well, it's not new anymore, but I helped build the Stanford football stadium Oh. Um, but the Google buildings were the ones that kind of broke me because I would see these kids that were three or four years older than me who graduated college and they're all running around on mopeds and they're fucking living this cool living Google this life. Cool Google you know? life that's like, and you can, you whatever can Google imagine. looked like. And yeah, I mean, it's Google. We're talking Google in like 2006. So yeah. Like, uh, not that's the Google the, we know now, not no, the Skynet that, that we yeah, know. Like uh, <laughs> But, um, but anyways, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm smoking weed. I'm getting, I mean, I live for the weekend. Like mm -hmm. I'm making good money. I was making like $20 an hour at a full-time job. And so I had all this money to get fucked up period. Like that's all I did. Um, and I don't know how long this went by. It was probably like eight, nine months. And Kyle came over to my apartment. Uh, my friend came over to my apartment and he kind of, we kind of talked. I think he kind of knew. I was, I was messed up. I'm pretty sure I was stoned when I was talking to him. Yeah. Um, and then he, he's leaving and he pats me on the stomach, you know, and I'm, I'm, I've been in shape pretty much my entire life starting from like, I don't know, seventh, seventh grade on. I've always been in shape. He pats me on the stomach and just has like this look of disappointment on his face of like, dude, what the fuck is that? You know, it's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just slowly melting into a couch potato and, and I felt like shit. And then a week goes by and he was going to join, he was joining the army. He was going to do the national guard. There was some friend of his that their cousin was a recruiter stationed in Santa Rosa. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, you know, maybe you should come, come talk to this recruiter. And, uh, and I just wasn't making any good choices. You know, I had, um, I just, I was not being a good person. Mm -hmm. uh, just put it plain and simple. And I go to the recruiter. I talk to him. He's like, well, what would you want to do? And I, I was like, black hawk down. 
That's what I want to do. Whatever those guys are, Dude. whatever those guys are, I want that's that. That's what I want to yeah. do. And there, and this is this is 2006. This is at the height of the Iraq War. Yeah, Afghanistan is like two years away from becoming a, a really big deal, um, and they probably in Santa Rosa Re- Army Recruiting Office probably doesn't get a whole lot of business. No, so so they were like, we got one. Yeah, uh, sure. and. And so, so I, and so, you know, three months later, I was, I was flying to, it's like three or four months later, I was flying to, flying to Georgia. But I remember when I walked out of the recruiting office and I went and talked to my mom about it. Um, I was really pumped. Uh, I think, I think everyone who, whether you do the army, the Marines, the Navy, the Air Force, uh, when you're 19 years old like that, and you're just not making good decisions, when you do something like that, it, it kind of makes you feel good because, uh, you know that you're, you're going to have some purpose. You know, there's, there's, there's like pressure that you, even though there's pressure to go through basic training and you don't really know what any of this is going to be like, um, there was like a relief of pressure of like, sweet, man, I don't have to make any decisions. Yeah. You're, as soon every, as I get on that. Everything's, everything's <laughs> decided for you once you get on that bus. <laughs> and you, you definitely regret it uh, quite a few times. I don't know. Yeah. I still regret it. I think I regret it a couple of times this week because, you know, you get soldiers who, do stupid things and yeah for sure uh i, I gotta answer for it but uh but that, that that was why i joined and i i joined to just do one term to get out and to go to college and use my, my gi bill um but as i stayed in the army there were just kind of you know there were things i wanted to do that i was like man that looks that looks hard you know i wanted to go to ranger school mm-hmm. uh, and see if i could graduate that i wanted to i wanted to go to afghanistan so i'd gone to iraq but i hadn't gone to afghanistan yet mm-hmm. And I wanted to go to Afghanistan to, to, to see what that was like. Um, and so I reenlisted one time uh, to give the army another couple of years. Uh, and then when I was in Afghanistan was when I was like, all right, I'm going to make this. I like this. I'm going to yeah. make this a career. I'm, I enjoy this. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's very notable of you, man. Like I, even, um, even when I was graduating, like I didn't, I had no idea what I was going to do. After all I knew is I just wanted to play football and um, like, like hearing what you're saying, like, you know, you hit a point in your life where you're just like, what am I doing? You know, then like all it takes is like one, one thing to turn it around and you feel more rejuvenated and you feel you have a sense of purpose. So that's, that's awesome. Um, What is, what's your rank right now? Like, so you've been in for 17 years. You said that, right? 14. 14. Okay. Um, so I'm a sergeant first class, um, but uh, what the army does a lot, especially in, in the infantry, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, they reward you for doing a good job by giving you more responsibility, uh, but not more pay. Um, so, so I'm a sergeant first class, but I'm currently in a, I'm currently and uh, serving as a first sergeant. So a, a sergeant first class would be in charge of a platoon, which is about mm-hmm. 36 people. Um, I did that for two years and then they, my battalion that I'm in right now, uh, offered me the opportunity to be in charge of a company. So I've been in charge of a company for the last uh, year ish. Uh, and I'll, I'll stay here for another 10 months, 11 okay. months. And, um, so when you, you said you went over to Iraq and Afghanistan, what, um, uh, what was, what was that like? Like the first, were you a part of this, like the second time going around to, uh, uh, Iraq. So everything. Iraq and Afghanistan. The the cool thing. Well, I don't know. I think it's cool. Um, 
the cool thing about Iraq and Afghanistan is they're two completely different things. Uh, and so the first three years of my military career was all about going to Iraq, right? That, that's what my unit was doing. That's what the army essentially was doing mm-hmm. minus some, minus some other, some smaller units, but there's not a lot of people in Afghanistan. Um, so it was all about urban environment. It was all about um, key leader engagements, winning the hearts and minds, like mm-hmm. very, the, all the cliche propaganda things that like, you see in movies like that's yeah. like that's what it was right it's yeah. what it was what it was not is it was not like hey let's go blow everything up mm-hmm. you know um we in iraq we'd kind of already done that yeah uh, and there's a lot of books that any anybody can read to show like why why our initial strategy in the in the invasion of iraq was a pretty <laughs> a pretty historically horrible one yeah um but anyways, you, we would, you know, day-to-day stuff would be, you know, we, I lived at a cop, that, uh, a combat outpost in the center of Missoula, which is the second largest city that nobody knew about until ISIS came around. Now yeah. everybody knows now about Missoula. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and you'd go out and you'd, you know, sometimes we'd go engage the school, we'd go to projects like uh, building, you know, they're building a police station, they're building this, that, the other. Um, there's a there's a million and one reasons why it, it doesn't work. Uh, but it's better than, than blowing everything up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you give, you give, you know, you give cold hard cash to this guy that's in charge of this building, the school, that dude's probably not like, he's there for a reason, you know, yeah. we were, like, he's like not a very uh, honorable, most of them were not very honorable people. Um, you know, you, they, you, you would get the project built but it was always at the expense of the taxpayers and, yeah. uh, and time. Um, you know, the United States government and our military industrial complex is known for its blank checkbook. Mm-hmm. I see it here in Italy. You know, you try and get your AC fix and it's takes six months. And <laughs> it's like, they just, the, <laughs> they know who's got the money. They know who yeah. pays their bills. Um, so anyways, so that was, that was, uh, that was that. I mean, it was in an urban environment. It was 12 months. Um, I worked out every city, you know, it's like prison it, it, deployments are like prison. You, you live and breathe off of routine. Mm-hmm. And if your routine gets messed up, it, you, it becomes a significantly emotional event. Um, also that deployment, I was only a specialist. Uh, I spent the first half of it, uh, operating in a sniper section, but there wasn't really a job for that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I didn't get to Iraq fast enough. Yeah. Uh, and so because there was no real purpose for that, they, they put us in the companies and we would kind of, me and my buddy would kind of float around to different companies and, and patrol with them. And, okay. and, and we, there's, there's a lot of things you can use a, a sniper team for, but, um, everything anybody's thinking about right now while they listen to this is not what I was doing. No, okay. uh, <laughs> there's no, uh, <laughs> it was, no... it was, it was, there's no uh, boring. what's the, what's the movie I'm thinking of uh, American Sniper. There's no like none, you're not, none of that. Not there's none remotely, of that. Not, not even, even close. remotely close. Uh, <laughs> so so I did that, uh, and then and then I moved. I left I left Colorado, uh, and then I went to Alaska, and then I went to Afghanistan. Afghanistan, different story. Afghanistan is the moon. Uh, when I redeployed from Afghanistan, my aunt and my dad. Like, oh, what was it like? And my family had kind of gotten numb to me deploying too because they had just yeah. lived through one yeah. about 18 months prior to that. And uh, 
my dad made a comment of like, you know, oh, you know, I wasn't really worried about you on this deployment. You know, I felt like you were safer. And I was like, no way, man. <laughs> I'm glad you thought that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Afghanistan is one of the most aggressive places anyone could ever live. Yeah. Uh, it is aggressive in terrain. It is aggressive in the environment. Um, it is just for, for any sort of, and there's, there's, there's no shortage of history that would show you why uh, Western democracies going to that part of the world just don't work. Yeah. Um, it was fun uh, for the first little while. And then, you know, we, we would take rockets every single day. We would, you know, I remember like, I, think, I remember like one of my memories that vividly stands out was uh, I was walking from where we, where we slept, our, like little barracks building was that I was walking to our gym. Our gym uh, had no roof. I was, we're not like my, my, my cop was better than Restrepo, but not much better to give (laughs) anybody some sort of like definitely way better. I should say way better than Restrepo. Restrepo was not a cop. It was an outpost, but, um, but it looked like shit. And so our gym has no roof. Uh, it would like flash flood and I would, I would like go in there and I'm like, I'm going to the, I'm going to the gym. So I'd be like on the bench press, like with six inches of water, Mm -hmm. like surrounding me, you know, and you just, you you just don't care. Yeah. Um, but I'm walking from my barracks building to the gym and I'm drinking my pre-workout and I don't have my headphones in. Like I heard this like weird, weird sound off in the distance and I immediately knew it was a rocket. I was just kind of like, fuck man. Cause I knew it was like 20, 30 seconds later that rocket's going to land like somewhere near somewhere near the cop. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, it's, there's no fear though. Like that's not, that yeah. was not the first thought that went through my head. The thought that went through my head was like, motherfucker, I just drank this pre-workout. Yeah. And now I'm going to be amped up and it's going to be, I'm going to have to go back to my room. I have to get my kid on. We're going to have to go out to, to figure out where this came from. Cause we have technology that, you know, a mortar round comes into your cop. We have technology in like a radar dish that tells you like where it came from. Where it came from. And so the, so the typical thing would be, hey, you took incoming rockets. Go get your stuff on. Go spin up. Get into the trucks. And you got to go out to wherever it came from and see yeah. if you can, you can catch somebody. But, but my cop was, was uh, right next to Pakistan. Uh, I mean, we could see into Pakistan. We could see Pakistani military checkpoints. We could... A lot of stuff that you know. If you're if if you're if you're on the Afghan Pakistan border, that's where all the fighting is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no fighting west on the western side of Afghanistan. There's no real fighting on the northern side of Afghanistan. It's all it all has to do with Pakistan. Wow. Um, the closer you are to that border is where everything, everything is because is. because there's an imaginary line that only we as Americans will follow. Yeah. And they won't. And so they can just hop into Pakistan. And that's what they would do. We would take incoming. I'd spin up. We drive out, right? 40 minutes later, we get there. And they're already in the, they're already in Pakistan. They just yeah. hop over the line, the imaginary line. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So, and you just do that for a year. Uh, and it's, it's definitely sucked. But it was, it was, it was a good deployment. No, none of my friends got hurt, severely hurt. Um, we had a bunch of really good war stories from it uh and you know that's that's like on honestly it was the perfect deployment for an infantryman well that's good uh you, you got your war stories you got yeah. your your testosterone you know fill but nobody got seriously injured huh. that's crazy man um what is so like now that you're in italy what is like 
your day-to-day now like what do you you say you command troops like what is what's like a, what's like a normal work week for a guy in the army so italy's weird so i'm in the 173rd which is the the unit that's that's predominantly in in europe um we we are here because of because of russia and that's really it i mean you're yeah. it's really because of like an imaginary line this political thing yeah uh, it's well it's russia and america are never gonna fight no we're, ne- we're never gonna fight like that uh but that's why we're here yeah uh, we're here because of because of europe because of and because of africa as well um and the army has been stationed here since i mean i don't know i don't even know that we ever left in the 40s mm-hmm. to be honest with you but uh, uh my normal day-to-day is we wake up we do you do pt for 90 minutes um where you go work out and then if we're here in italy there's not a lot of training that we can do in italy um so usually it's a lot of prepping for training planning training um and other stuff like that and then if i'm when we go train usually we go train in in other countries so i've been here for three years and we've gone we go to spain we go to germany a lot because there's nato bases in germany that everybody pretty much trains at yeah um but i've been to spain germany france uh, Croatia, the Netherlands, and you kind of do a lot of interoperability stuff where you, you team up with that country or you pair up with that country and you're, you're working with them. So there's like a lot of NATO handshake things that are going on, but the job is no different. So the things that my guys train for and do uh, here in Italy is no different than what an infantryman would train for in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, or uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, or something like that. So, I mean, we still have the same. You still do the same things they do. You're just doing it in Italy, uh, and the and the places you may the places you may may go are just are just different. Wow, that's crazy, man. Man, you you so you've you've been like, I mean, you've been all all over the world, literally. As in, so you've been you've been to Afghanistan, Iraq, Italy, Spain, Germany. You said is there. Is there anywhere else that they they'll may like, like to, send you or anything I went to like Aust- that? I went to Australia when okay. I was in when I was stationed in Alaska. We did an eighteen hour flight and jumped into Australia for two weeks. That was pretty cool. Uh, the The Australia piece sucked. That well, it was kind of cool because we got we loaded up into a C seventeen with like snow on the mountains mm-hmm. in Alaska. It's like you know fucking zero degrees outside. Yeah. And the next time the door opened, it was. 80 degrees in Australia and like I we jump out and we jump out and I land on the drop zone and I pop my parachute and I I look over it's like kind of like poetic but I look over and there's literally a kangaroo like 50 meters away from me (laughs) hopping along he's just he's just kind of like fucking checking me out like doing his own kangaroo thing yeah and I literally, I had a, like a very meta moment to myself where I was like, that was fucking crazy. <laughs> like, the, like how am I, I just time traveled and like, right, now, you, you now came I'm from in the, Australia. The freezing cold to the, the sunny, the sunny of uh, Australia. And like, there's a kangaroo right there. Wow. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, <laughs> was cool. No, I mean, I, I must have been super lucky, man. Uh, I went to basic training and I got stationed in Colorado Springs, which is one of the most sought after, mm-hmm. sought after duty stations in the army. Then I got to go to Alaska and then I went to Fort Benning, Georgia for three years. And then I, I, when I got done with, um, with being an instructor down there, I 
essentially I'm just proactive. So if you wait for the army to tell you where to go, you're at the mercy of wherever they're going to send you. I've always started to bother the people that need to be bothered about a year away from when I think I'm going to move. And I give them, you know, my top five choices. And yeah. I had to stay in Georgia for an extra six months, which I didn't want to do, but that was to come here to Italy. So it, it was definitely worth it. It was, yeah. but there, there's some give and take to it. Um, but Fort Polk, Louisiana, Fort Irwin, California, those are all just not fun places to live. I've been very lucky as far as uh, where I've been able to go. Station. Um, what's it? What's it like being in Italy? Uh, just as an American? At, well, I mean, uh, post uh, pre-pandemic. So, like when you first got there, and just like pre-pandemic was was legit. Yeah, uh, we like I would just tell Anna, my wife. Uh, that's my wife's name. I, I'm not much of a planner and I'm usually too worried. And then I gotta, you know, when I take a vacation, it's not just for me. It's, yeah. it's like, I got to take the, the two small children with me. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of like analysis that goes into a vacationing with like small kids who can't, who can only walk so far before you're going to have to carry them. <laughs> um, but we did. Yeah. So like the first year I was here, we did an MSC cruise I'll never do a cruise again because I, after I did it, I kind of did homework on cruise lines and I was mm-hmm. like, I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like I'd been, I kind of felt bad about giving them my money. Uh, yeah. uh, but we went to Mykonos, it went to Mykonos and, and Croatia. I went to King's Landing and, and, and Dubrovnik. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Croatia and Dubrovnik, Croatia, which is like where Game of Thrones was filmed. Oh, wow. Um, and then we took another vacation to Spain. Spain's by far my favorite country I've been to. Um, it's just the most welcoming and the nicest. Awesome. Uh, and then we went to London. London London is cool because they speak English. So that's nice. You just get <laughs> off the plane and that, you get off the plane and you, you don't have to talk really slow and loud and stupid at people. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> there's like a, a tempo and a tone of voice that an American does when they're Trying to right. just slowly speak, speak English to somebody speak their, and yeah, speak their language to someone. The the I would say that the French are the most entitled. Uh, it, Italy is a close second, mm-hmm. uh, and they and I mean to be fair, man, like we Americans, we wrote the book of uh, you speak my language in my country. So yeah, for sure, I'm not a good tourist. I'm not a good. <laughs> I you know my children speak uh, some Italian now because they teach it in their school. Yeah. Um, and that was bringing my kids to Europe was a big motivator to come over here, okay. um, to kind of expose them to that. They'll, yeah, I, I don't know. They're, yeah. they're, they're going to be very worldly human humans sure. when they grow up. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, I, there's parts of, there's a lot of things I like about living in Italy, but then at the and no matter what you do, man, um, I really miss Chick-fil-A. I miss in and out. I can send you. I can send uh, you airmail you some uh, Chick Fil A if you want. It may, it may, it may yeah, not be I, great, but I there's I don't know, man. It's weird because I've gone to America three times since I've been mm-hmm. stationed over here, and there is, you know, the the lines on the roads mean things when you drive in America, whereas yeah. in Italy they're more of a suggestion. Okay. Um. Uh. It's you know, and then just speaking the language, there you do get homesick. Uh, I. Uh, we we are on our year three to four and we'll leave next January. Okay. Um, we are definitely ready to come to America. And then during the pandemic, you know, dude, totally selfishly to say that I haven't been envious of people not caring about the coronavirus. Like yeah. 
parts of me have at times where you're just like, man, I wish I didn't have to care about this. Yeah. Um, because Italy is like, doesn't mess around, dude. They were, yeah, for sure. they were a fascist country 70 years ago. Like their, their police force that matters is, is the Carbonari and they're a federal police force. They mm-hmm. will, they will write you a thousand euro ticket for, for not violating for, for violating uh, COVID stuff or just not yeah. doing the right thing. Crazy. Um, so, so, um, I also wanted to ask you uh, just like some fun, fun questions along the way uh, with okay. stuff. Um, maybe a couple serious ones, but um, what is, is there anything that's like misunderstood about you being in the army or like how people maybe misunderstood, misunderstand like just the army in general? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely like a, a loaded question in the yeah, sense that sure. like, I, it's like I could probably talk for two hours about about that. I, I, there is yes to answer the question, one hundred and ten percent yes. Um, I don't think it's anybody's fault. I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's the military's responsibility to sell itself to the people, and the army has evolved a lot in the last fourteen years. Um, it, it genuinely has. It, it is. It is incredibly self-conscious. And I, I just, when I say the army, I, I, you can apply this to all branches of service. But the army is incredibly self-conscious about why people aren't joining. Um, and so they've done a lot of things with retirements, with pensions, with anything they can to to try and advertise to to people to like join the join the military. And that's that's a good thing. And then there's another side of this where people. Do do think that you know joining the army is is for I don't know I don't know I don't know what type of stereotypes to be honest with you everybody I know of that uh, that I grew up with in the Bay Area minus a couple there have been a few but uh, um, they they get it uh, I talked to uh, Kevin Simmons a lot and like he well, not a lot but I mean, we we I always find myself like once a month hitting him up for for random things or laughing at something he posted. Yeah, and uh, like the dialogue and the way we have conversations is the same. There's no, there's nothing that's being misunderstood. Um, but I do think there's a huge disconnect, and I almost know there's a huge disconnect of those who have served and those who haven't. And mm-hmm. it is, you know, that. And, and when I say served, I mean anything. So like a cop serves, mm-hmm. right? And a, a paramedic serves. Sure. Yeah. Uh, a park ranger serves sure. his community. There is, there is a huge disconnect between those who invest into their community and those who don't. Uh, and a majority of people do not. And, and right now, and, and I see it as, as my guys that I'm in charge of get out of the army and they don't stand for 20 years. Um, I see them get out and there is, there is definitely something internally that's missing because they, they're not getting this, this human to human connection uh, that you get when you serve period. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, sure. I don't, I don't make, I don't make a lot of money. Um, it's good money at a certain point, but I don't make a lot. Uh, but I, you know, there's a, there's that, that camaraderie that I get every day when I go to work. Um, and sometimes it's not good and sometimes it's great, but that's the piece that I, that made me stay in because I knew that if I got out, like I go to Afghanistan, I go to Iraq, I go do all, do all these other countries, right? Like, if you put me in Home Depot or wherever, put me on a desk, you know, that like it's all downhill. Yeah. Right? Like I'll be, I'll be chasing the dragon until I get out of the army. And then once I do, I got to find something 
else that serves like my inner purpose. Yeah, for sure. Because that's yeah. that's the most that's the most important thing, and that's that's why we have such a huge suicide problem. I think in the military, mm-hmm. is guys are just disconnected. Yeah. You know, they get out and they they think it's going to be great, and then they realize they have nothing in common with uh yeah with the people they work with and that's like one of the saddest parts i i hear about the most i i have a cousin he's in the in the navy and uh he told me one story uh that he had a friend when he got out because he, he wasn't gonna do a career and then he just found out that he just you know couldn't handle it anymore and just you know ended everything so that's that's always the saddest part about hearing uh military guys coming up and just not wanting to do anything anymore and stuff but yeah and also with like you trying to find your you know your self-worth having a team karate it almost it sounds like you know that was with me after after everything with football was like what do i do now like i was known i just i always wanted to do football 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 stuff and like it's 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 hard it's hard to find what you're what do you want after you've done this thing for so long, what you're doing, you served for so long. And like, I, I don't know how long you're, you will still stay in it as a career was like, what do you do afterwards? You know? And like, how do you find yourself worth again? So it's, it's a crazy challenge to find that. And, and it's, and it's, it's on my mind all the time, man. Yeah. And I, I'd actually, I literally just watched uh, the, the Shawshank Redemption yeah. on Monday. Uh, great, no great man, movie. it's I it's it's Brooks. Yeah, great movie. Uh, it's Brooks Hadley. You don't want to have Brooks Hadley syndrome, dude. You, no, you don't. You you, you and it, I I watch that movie. I talk about it all the time, but you know it's it's so true. You get so comfortable, and I see people who are just inherently unhappy with their job in the military because mm-hmm. it's over. You know they're like they're just they're just at that point, but they don't know anything different. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, no, and and like the lazy answer for nineteen year old me who loved that part about football or wrestling or whatever yeah. that, was that in, in, in high school, the click, in, right. The click, in, yeah. High school, high school's like that. Maybe it's not sports. It's um, but um, no, like when, when you get out of that and you're missing that and then you go to college or you go wherever, you know, I immediately started falling apart mm-hmm. without that. And so the lazy answer, right. Was to raise my right hand, just mm-hmm. join the army. Cause I, I already knew like if I joined the infantry, I'm going to take that varsity locker room and I'm just going to move it move here. It here. Yeah. It's going to be the same thing. Um, and it's so, and in the infantry, it is so true. The, the infantrymen are the varsity locker room of the army. We are arrogant. We think our shit doesn't stink. Uh, <laughs> you know, and like, and we're always just fucking pissing and measuring dicks against each other. Oh, of course. You know? yeah. and like, and that's, that's all it is. Well, that's, um, I mean, that's, that's how it was in college. For me, <laughs> I mean, that's like, that was like, when I was at JC, it was like, everyone's there. Everyone was, you were the best player at your high school. You just, you just didn't have the grades to go elsewhere or like you're, you know, just too, like, you just didn't want to put in the work to go to a college to get recruited. So like, I totally get that. And like, no, I'm, I admit to it. I, I did the same thing with like, like I, I wanted that. Like I just moved my varsity locker room to the JC and that's what it was. So I totally get it crazy um would uh my other question would be like what would you tell your 18 year old self looking back oh <laughs> damn i would tell first 
if I could go back and do I get to tell him this in person or yeah. just, just, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is like, this is say like, well, like it's not, I guess I would like, walk up to myself and I would fucking hit myself close fist punch in the face as hard <laughs> as humanly possible. And I would be like, shut the fuck up, shut your fucking mouth. You're the dumbest. I tell, I tell my soldiers all the time. Cause leadership is hypocrisy. Parenting is hypocrisy. I can't not be a hypocrite and be a parent. Yeah. Just because I smoked weed when I was a teenager doesn't mean I can condone my t- my teenage son to smoke weed. That's a yeah. horrible parental strategy, right? Yeah. Uh, like no, everybody would agree with that. And I tell my soldiers all the time, like the dumbest motherfucker I ever met was like Sergeant Gerber, like E five Sergeant Gerber. Yeah. The dumbest motherfucker I'd ever met before that was Private Gerber, and the dumbest motherfucker I ever knew before that was. 18 year old me like um <laughs> but i would i mean i don't know man i don't know high school i had a lot of fun in high school and i was definitely riding a high but i was i would just tell i probably just tell myself like dude be a good person you know mm-hmm. i definitely rode the lightning a lot when i was 18 to 20 um when it came to how i treated um uh the the, the women that came in out of my life mm-hmm. uh the way that I, you know, dealt with substances and alcohol and drugs. Um, I would, I would look myself in the eyes and have a conversation with me that, that my dad never had, my mom never had, uh, and just tell myself to cool it because, um, at a certain point that stuff boils over and it definitely did at a certain point in my life. Um, and I feel like right now, probably like in the last three or four years, I have finally started to figure out who I am. And I know, and I know in 10 years, I will look at 34 year old me and be like, dude, that dude thought he had it all figured out, but yeah. he didn't, you know, yeah, we uh, all, we're all like that, man. I thought I had it figured out back then. And now I was like, Oh, I'll figure it out when I'm 35. I'm like, I still fucking get on going, dude. Like every day, every day you wake up and just like, uh, let's go to work. Let's do this. You know, finding some purpose in your life. So, but when when i'm doing this i feel like i have a purpose so and doing yeah. and talking with you you know catching up with you and um you know christensen uh it was just it was just like it's great it's great to hear i mean other people's stories and, but also val i think it you know it makes you feel like you're not alone man yeah like, no it, I don't know. like i, I mean i you're like, like, oh yeah, I, shit, dude. You had a you had a drinking problem once too. Cool. Oh, dude. I mean, <laughs> your your situation when you were like like eighteen to my me when I was eighteen to fucking twenty three, dude. I was doing the same thing you were doing, man. I was riding riding the lightning, fucking partying way too much. I mean, I was going to school. I was doing fine, but like, yeah, I I have regrets. I have like you know I wasn't treating people <laughs> with the best. Um, intentions at all you know but uh you know i i was still i was i thought i was a good person when i was that age but then i look back like god i was such a dick i was just such a yeah. asshole but like you know but i think also if you're if you're if you if you're self-aware if you're a self-aware wolf and you can sit there and like have a moment like that then you're oh, doing yeah, okay for sure. you know, yeah yeah for sure you, and you, i always you, think about, I, like, I do i beat myself up but then it's like all right like i'm i'm sorry like i <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> for sure man. um is there um do you have any like what's like your biggest regret and or failure and have you ever learned from that or like learned like what was the lesson in that or something like that my biggest failure 
so my biggest failure. So yeah. So yes, yes and no. So, um, so I joined the army, uh, with an, with a man, I can't remember the name of the contract, but it was a ranger contract. Okay. It was a contract that said, you know, you will, cause you got to get everything in writing. It's, it's uncle Sam. Like mm-hmm. there's no handshake deals. You, if it's not in writing, it you're not getting exist. it. Yeah. Uh, and so I had an airborne infantry, uh, airborne ranger infantry contract. Right. So I would go to basic training. I'd be an infantryman. I'd get certified at being an infantryman and trained to be an infantryman, which is essentially just getting smoked and beat up all the time and like mm-hmm. whatever and yelled at and screamed at. Um, and then I went to airborne school. And then at the end of airborne school, you would go through what at the time was called RIP, which is the Ranger Indoctrination Program, which was, I think it was four weeks. Pretty sure it was four weeks. Uh, but it's, it's, it's like basic training times a thousand. So um, it is, it is physically demanding. You're not sleeping. I mean, it is, it is every, it is, it is what I thought basic training would be. Basic yeah. training was, was pretty easy to be honest with you. Compa- yeah, uh, compared it, to your... it, it was emotionally hard cause you can't talk to nobody that sucked, but really? physically. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get to call anybody for oh, you know, okay. two, you're two talking months in, in basic training. You're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I okay. couldn't, you know, pick up the payphone and talk. I mean, nowadays, fucking privates get their cell phones, I think, and and it's it's different. But mm-hmm. um, um, I mean, I hope they don't, but I, I think they do. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, so the rip was what I thought the basic training would be like. So I got all the way to the end of basic training, or, of rip. I'm sorry, and I was. I remember being so proud of myself because I was like, man, I went on this journey nine months ago. I signed up for this contract. I did it. Like I actually did it. You know, I had made it past like the final test. I was going to go to Fort Lewis, Washington. Um, I had my tan Rangers have a tan beret. Um, Airborne has a maroon beret. And then at the time, just regular infantry had a black beret. What, what, what's a beret? It's like literally a beret, like a French beret. I mean, we Americans, we, we wear it differently, but uh, it's, it's a beret. Okay. Um, and so, uh, we, you do this peers where you rate all these guys that you just went through this class with, you rate them like last to first. Mm-hmm. And there was this, and I had gone through basic training and I was in rip with like six dudes that I went through basic training with. And we were this close ass click, right? Like we had just spent five months together. Yeah, for sure. We were this meet, we were the mean girls, you know, like I was Lindsay Lohan, <laughs> you know, the, uh, well, I don't know, whatever the, whatever the, the blonde one was, I was the meanest one. Right. Okay. And, uh, and so we pick on this dude and we kind of, we peer, we all agree to peer him last. Like we're going to vote this dude last. And he, he earned that, you know, he, he wasn't pulling his weight. He was definitely like not the physically toughest dude, but he also was doing a bunch of selfish things like falling asleep when he wasn't supposed to getting us in trouble like that, that, this, that, and the other. And so I fill this thing out and then you're in a classroom and it's like it's kind of like GI Jane, where like they jack up the heat, and like you're falling asleep, you know, oh, and like wow. the lights are dim, yeah. like because we we had just gotten out of the field, we had spent like five days in the field. I think I had it was the least amount of sleep I'd ever had in my entire life. Uh, I think we had like three or four hours of sleep in in like three or four days, Jesus. and I mean three or four hours like total. So like, yeah. you're really beat up. Um, and then they cram you into this classroom and you got to do all this paperwork and it's like 95 degrees in this classroom. And you're just, you're just making like pencil squiggles as you like fall, fall asleep. And I passed this paper to the right and no, the guy hadn't grabbed it. The guy next to me had, was still filling his out and something like came over me 
like something was like, no, nah, man, that wasn't mean enough. Be meaner. Mm-hmm. And so I grabbed this piece of paper and I wrote on there, uh, this dude is such a piece of shit that if the enemy didn't kill him, I would kill him myself. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't mean that. Yeah. I definitely didn't mean that. But at that time, and my justification for it now is like, dude, I was 19 years old. I'm completely fucking brainwashed. I'm not thinking for myself. Like mm-hmm. everything about being an airborne ranger is, is just the most aggressive thing you could possibly imagine and then give it pre-workout and times it by a thousand. So like in my head, in my 19-year-old fucking dumbass brain, like this, this is what they want to see, you yeah. know, cut the fat, get rid of the weak link. And so I thought, and then they collect it. Then uh, a couple hours go by, I'm sure while the instructors are like reading it and they call off three names. There's three platoons. They call off three names. One of those names being the guy that we peered. And then they called off a fourth name, which was Ryan Gerber. And I immediately knew it wasn't because I was getting an award. And so (laughs) they pull me into the office and they, they handle the peer guys. They pull me in and uh, Sergeant first class bone of pain. I will never forget it like gets in my face and he just like, he's like, did you write this? I was like, yeah. And I mean, they just lit me up. Rightful, rightfully so. Yeah. They were right. You know? Um, and I remember, I remember the, like the urge to cry, like coming over me cause I knew mm. it was over. Um, but I also remember like trying to be proud and like, you know, don't give them the satisfaction of like watching you cry and then whatever they boot me out. I get kicked out and now I've got to wait like two weeks to get orders from my, my duty station. Cause now I'm not going to be a ranger. Yeah. Now I'm going to go be an infantryman somewhere. Right. And, uh, I got blacked out drunk that weekend. Um, I finally, like I had like some Liberty and I could go out on the town or whatever. Um, and then I get orders to Fort Carson, Colorado, which nobody was going to Colorado, Colorado, Fort Carson, Colorado is a mechanized infantry uh, unit. It is not airborne. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why the fuck am I going to Fort Carson? Like everybody else is going to the 82nd Airborne. Yeah. Why am I going to Fort Carson? And I was the only one going to Fort Carson. Um, and so that really bothered me for a really, really long time uh, as a private. But, you know, 38-year-old me or 30, I'm not 38, 34-year-old me. Um, if I would not have, if that had not like over, overcame me and I grabbed that paper and I write that on there. I don't move to Colorado. I don't meet my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't have my kids. Um, I'm, I'm a very talented infantryman because I've been able to not get broken. And I've been, I've been a big fish in small ponds. And so yeah, that's sure. been able to let me be successful, right? Um, yeah. I've definitely had more opportunities uh, in this route, I've definitely seen more places, you know, my career and, and what I've, what I would have ended up doing are inherently different, but I, I just had to, I've come to terms with the fact that like some of these things, man, are just, they happen for a reason. Yeah. Uh, in the moment, you don't necessarily know why they're happening, Yeah, for sure. but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was definitely my biggest failure for sure. But wow. you know, it, it buffed. As we oh, say, sure. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you didn't say that, I mean, like you said, you wouldn't have met your wife. You wouldn't have done what you've done now, and you wouldn't be where you'd be right now. So it's, yeah, I totally understand where where that comes from and stuff like that. So, but um, man, I don't want to take up too much of your time, man. I gotta, I, I mean, I know you got kids and stuff, but uh, I really do appreciate you uh coming on, man, and and uh chatting it up, and uh, it's good. To, it's really good to see you, actually. I mean. 
I only see a handful of people and you know, I see everyone on, on social media and growing though, but it's, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, hear your voice. And it just, when I, when you said yes, I just remember all the times we had uh, playing football and uh, the, yeah, those, those are the days now, yeah. you know, what, once a year we do a Turkey bowl where it's like the NCOs versus the officers. And, okay. Uh, I, I am, I, as physically fit as I am, I'm not football fit at all. <laughs> There's a, that, uh, that, that's crazy, man. <laughs> like you're like, I see you work out almost every day on your Instagram. It's like, and I do, I do work out every day. Yeah. I do not miss a day, but I'm not football fit. And if <laughs> doing, doing, you know, 20 sprints, it's not in the cards, man. I'm usually no. debil- completely debilitated. I threw my back out last week doing nothing. I literally was just walking and then my back fell apart. Just and I was like, apart. Oh God, oh, dude, that, this is uh, it. <laughs> dude, that happened to me at, uh, I was, uh, my old job. I was just putting away something on a shelf and I was squatting down and I was turning and all of a sudden I just turned and I'm like, Oh God, what was that? And I just stopped and I like just sat down like, and my, my supervisor came in and was like, dude, you okay? I think I just blew out my back. He's like, fuck, what were you doing? Lifting this like five pounds of cheese and turning. He's like, oh shit. So I totally get it. Yeah. But, but yeah, I was just like, like I was saying, I was like bringing up all those like memories in high school, like my senior year. I remember you specifically, like I always, I always remember you out of that group, you and Vic and um, who else? Uh, Dallas and Oki. Just like I always thought, you guys were the like the the best at, in that class of people. Just uh, you know, hang out with and kick it and yeah. shoot the shit. Well, if you want to get motivated, follow Vic on Instagram. If you don't, oh, already. I do. Yeah, I've I've ran into I've ran into Vic. Uh, <laughs> fuck, what was it? Maybe a year ago. Uh, I was uh, going to be coaching at a high school, and I ran into him because I, I still uh, I still keep in contact with my uh, college coach, Coach Wags. And uh, I asked if I can go watch a practice and stuff like that. And I ran into him and I was like, dude, you need to stop working out because you're making us all look like a bunch of fucking bitches. And he just, yeah. and he just laughed, <laughs> laughed like, dude, you got to come work out with me. She, total, total, total meathead. But I love that kid, dude. I just think, I just think he's on all steroids. I just accuse him of using steroids. That's oh, my, I, that's how I, that's how I sleep at night. Anybody <laughs> sure. who, anybody who is stronger, faster, better than me at anything. They're just you're using on, steroids. You're on steroids for sure. I yeah, say you thing. have to be. Yeah, I say the same <laughs> thing. So, but, but man, Ryan, thank you so much for being on, man. I'll um. Yeah. I'll no, no, no problem, man. This was good. This was good for me too. For sure, man. So, uh, I wish you well, and I wish you know. I don't know where you're gonna go be next in a few years, but I hope you're you got you and your family are safe and happy, and you know, good luck in anything that you do. I'm sure you'll kick ass and give 110 percent of everything that you do so thank you again man i really do appreciate it thanks man yeah you too and uh good luck with this thing oh thank you i know doing a podcast uh you know (laughs) it's just this is like uh i've been wanting to do this for a while it's been like it's been like two years coming just trying to do like trying to figure out what i want to do and i still trying to find my voice in this little niche or whatever i do but you know i like doing this i like talking to people i like I like I like to get inspired by people what they do and um you know just just what you know your everyday life I mean like everyone has their own story and like especially when people join the army it's like it's a big it's a big it's a big uh 
step for someone to do that. And like you sacrifice, you sacrifice a lot. I mean, every, even today, you still say you're probably going to sacrifice something for what you do. So I, I appreciate that and all that other stuff, man. So yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Have a good night, buddy. Yeah, you too, dude. All right. Bye. Later.